Hello all, welcome to the Hope Without Sight podcast with your hosts, Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans. The topic of this podcast will consist of many stories of people from various backgrounds and experiences who have had many challenges and have been able to successfully overcome them and rise to the top. So sit back and relax as we give you the best of these diverse stories. Because if you are feeling down and out, like you cannot make it in the world, then this podcast is the right one for you. Because if my guests can make it, so can you. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Help Without Sight with your host, Sailor Cooper and... Your host, co-host, Tyler Evans. This title is... Planning for Life's Final Chapter with Humor and Insight, a conversation with Aaron Edgar, who is a blind estate planning attorney who has a unique humorous approach to life, who shares her experiences on insights on planning for the end of life, challenging stereotypes about blindness. We're doing that, too, and the importance of bringing unexpected into such a serious topic. Uh, yeah, we're challenging stereotypes. And Aaron, I commend you for uh, being an estate planner because my heart goes out to my grandmother. She, We just lost my grandfather last year. Uh, he lived a very good life serving in World War II. And he also was very successful in business. And he passed away at 102. But now, unfortunately, she's having to deal with this probate stuff, which is exhausting. I, I don't like it. I mean, you should... You, they say you should honor the loved ones who have passed away instead of dealing with this probate, which is why I'm so glad you're helping so many other people. But welcome to Help Without Sight. How are you doing today? Thank you, Sailor. Thank you, Tyler, for having me on the podcast. It is cert- certainly my pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm not so happy about the colder weather, but, you know, we can't have everything we want. And I'm not really complaining. I love actually dressing warmly, and uh, so that is one good one good side of it. Um, and I do want to state before we, if we get into really any legal things, and you ask me questions, uh, that I have this little disclaimer that I always give, which is I am not here to give specific legal advice or really any legal advice at all. Um, I can talk in general terms, but I am only licensed in one state in the U.S., and so I can't. Uh, I'm not allowed to give, uh, you know, advice for anyone's specific situation. Oh, I see. Yeah, it makes sense. Thanks, for, thanks for mentioning that disclaimer because every everyone's situation's unique. And so, so by the way, I, we talked about the cold weather. Weather. I know it's cold here. We're in Texas. Where are you located? So I'm in North Carolina in kind of the central part of the state. I'm not in the mountains, so we don't have cold, cold, cold weather like we do, like they do in places like Asheville that are pretty high up. But um, it is 41 degrees Fahrenheit when I got up this morning and tomorrow it's supposed to be 32. So we're, we're getting, you know, winter is coming. Yeah. So you inspire us because we're both blind too, except I could see a little bit in my right eye. And but get this, Tyler and I 
we are brothers from another mother because our stories are very similar. We both were born premature and have retinopathy of prematurity. Right, Tyler? Yes, indeed. And we both saw the same eye doctor in Detroit, Michigan. That is so cool. And what was interesting is it was, his was in 93, mine was in 91. Yeah, we were both life-flagged to Detroit at three months old on an airplane from Texas. Yep. That's kind of amazing. Uh, I didn't have all that fun stuff happen to me, uh, but you do have a, a half sister because I was so I. also bo- born premature uh, three months early and have retinopathy prematurity. Uh, and um, I wasn't flown to another state. I was born in Indiana, um, but I so we, we all have that in common. Now, are you tall or could you see a little bit like us? Um, I can see a little bit of light, but I'm one of those people that if I fell asleep and the bedroom light was on, I wouldn't know. I um, see. So it's it's not that much. I, I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, what is going on? Uh, it, it's starting to bother me. But um, I, I generally wouldn't know. Um, but I do you know, see sunlight, very bright room light. Um, I perform on stage a lot. So stage lights actually bother me. Um, because they're so bright and there's something about them that really irritates me. Um, but other than that, I don't have any color perception to speak of, uh, or any other way to tell visually what things are around me. I see. So, uh, you probably did have surgeries as well, like us, right? I did. Um, actually I had surgeries in my left eye. Um, I had the lens removed at age three. And then when I was 16, uh, my left eye was so efficiently deteriorated that I um, had a prosthetic. So every every eight years or so, I have a new prosthetic made, loads of fun. Um, but my right eye is still is still the real the real one. Yeah, my my right eye is the best eye. I could see colors and shapes a little bit, like ten feet away. I can read large print, but it's just it's just too tired for me, which is why I. I I use now I use Braille and JAWS and NVDA and all that jazz. So yeah, oh, yeah. Me too. Well, what's interesting, <clears throat> my brother, he was born blind just like me because we're twins. But his oh, eyes wow. reverse his eyes reverse just like Sailor's sister. A uh, twin Wait, sister, actually. They did what? Sailor's Sailor has a twin sister. My goodness. Right. Your the, yeah. eye, the eyes did what now? Reverse to reverse. where it went from blindness to sight, like a few months later. I've never heard of such a thing. That's yeah. interesting. Well, that happened. Very interesting. <laughs> My brother is totally sighted and everything. He lives a normal life. Wow. Cool. He was born blind, just like me, though. And so um, we will tell you about more our lives growing up. And I know you're very humorous. Me and Tyler, we're very humorous, too. All three of us have the same eye condition on this podcast. How about that? That is so cool. so cool. I love Before it so much. Before we do that. Tell us about your life growing up and how you wanted to be a, a, a an estate planning attorney. So take it away. Oh, well, thank you. Um, sure thing. Well, I didn't always want to be an estate planning attorney, but I tell you mm. what, um, I, I've, I've always been blind and I've always been um, musical. So for a long time, I thought mm. I wanted to be a some kind of musician and I still do perform. Um, but uh, and. So when I was really little, my my mom um, noticed that I was like dancing and singing in front of the stereo. Now this was back in the seventies when they had those huge console stereos. You all might not know that know this. I'm dating myself, but um, 
they had these huge console stereos and I loved music and used to sing and dance in front of it. And so while I was growing up, I played um, piano and violin because as a, a blind person, um, really into like hearing things, I had a good talent. I happened to have a good talent for mimicry. So I could like play songs that I'd only heard one time because I would, you know, the melody would just stick with me. Um, and not perfectly, you know, but I could at least get the melody out. And so for, I took lessons for a long time. I started taking singing lessons, uh, because, you know, I could carry a tune, like I would hear a tune and I could just sing whatever I heard. Um, and I didn't think it was really anything special, but apparently my parents did because I, I continued taking the lessons and that was, you know, fun and, Music was something that made me happy. So for a long time, I was like, well, I'm going to be some kind of musician or um, or something. And then I went, uh, well, when I was, I guess, 13 or 14, um, Star Trek, The Next Generation came out. And this really does relate. Um, people are like, what? When I, when I change gears. But um, my father and I had this big bonding experience over that show. Like he suddenly became a fan of this show where people were flying around in space and they were encountering all sorts of aliens. And they had all these disagreements and differences with these alien people. And somehow it all worked out. Wow. Um, now, looking back on that show, I noticed there's a lot of sort of suppositions like, you know, the, the Federation always wins. Um, and they're always right. Uh, but but along the way, I thought that was the coolest thing. Like, you know, you get into these disagreements and somehow you all work it out. And a lot of times the, the Federation, even though they were always right, they'd have to make concessions. And I thought the hey, NFP. You know, sorry, the NFP, you mean the NFP? Yes. the, the yeah. NFP. So, you know, they'd have to make concessions. And I thought, you know, this is sort of what our country is about. It was the principle that it was built on is uh, compromise and uh, being reasonable when you're making your decisions and navigating your way through conflicts in a reasonable manner. Now, of course, I learned more about our founding fathers and realized that they were just as much acting like little children as the rest of us during the formation of our nation. But um, it's the it's the principles that, that really matter in the end. And I decided that I wanted to uh, be a lawyer instead of a musician, and I wanted to help people to resolve uh, their disputes or uh, make decisions in sort of a collaborative, reasonable manner and work together rather than separately. And so it was about, for me, cooperation and collaboration rather than conflict. And I went to college and I took a lot of music courses, but I didn't want that kind of a life. The yeah. the music training that I had had was very, um, very uh, classical. It was not like pop music training. And regardless of what kind of music you perform these days, you have to have sort of like this diva complex. Um, you know, you're the best of the best. It requires a lot of travel. They were things that I didn't really want. And I didn't have that type of personality. So um, I did. Uh, I went to law school. And I was very disenchanted with the whole like law school thing. Um, I was very lucky to get in the school that I got into and they provided the accommodations that I needed and they had never had a blind law student before. So it was kind of a new charted territory for them. But we worked things out and I graduated and at the same time was kind of disenchanted because 
the way law school was taught back then in the 90s, again, dating myself, um, you had it was more about, you know, who has the best argument rather than uh, right. how, how can you work together? And it was really lacking in practical experience. I got out of law school and I didn't know how to do a thing. And um, so, you know, I, I went and did other things for a while, actually. Um, I did work in conflict resolution. I was a mediator for our state uh, our county court system for a while. Um, and I uh, worked at a nonprofit uh, doing some legal work there um, for the legal services uh, system in our state. And I actually worked there for 11 years. Um, and while I worked there, it was no secret that this was like a stepping stone to something else for me. And they weren't, you know, as long as I did my job and did well, and, you know, they weren't upset about that. Um, I knew I was going to move on. And so I had talked to different, and, and for me, I did not want, I was very clear on what I didn't want, um, to work in the big law firm where I had to bill every, you know, like nickel and dime my clients and hurry, hurry, hurry to get stuff done. Because as you know, as, as blind people, sometimes it takes us longer to do stuff. Yes, and, um, People are not that understanding of that. They say they are, but they're not. Oh, so, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So, um, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> you both know. So um, I knew I didn't want that. And I talked to the smaller firms and I did not get no's out of them. But the yeah. first thing I got was, what kind of accommodations would you need? And then I would tell them and they would be like, eh. <laughs> there, there's this, this, uh, and and it's a human trait. Um, it's sort of like, you know, we, we're in, we're endeavoring to go into really uncomfortable territory and we really don't want to do it and we don't want to spend the money, but you're a good person and we really don't want to discriminate against you. So we're just going to say we, we picked somebody else or you're not the right fit. You know, you can't really prove that there was discriminatory intent. Um, and, and, but you can prove the impact and, you know, it's not worth making a court case over or an EEOC claim over because number one, they didn't hire me. And number two, I can't prove the intent. So getting a little legal here. And but it was really frustrating. And it's kind of a situation in which we find ourselves a lot. Yeah. And and I think and you know, I hear agreement noises there. Um I didn't get a whole lot of help from Voc Rehab because I got this. I hear you on Voc Rehab. I hear you. Here here's what I got. You're the most highly educated person we've ever had to place, and we can't find a place for you. And I'm like, okay. Um, now, Voc Rehab is now being very good to me because I'm self-employed and they're helping me with the technology and they can do that. Um, so I'm having a different experience now. But when I was looking for employment through them, it was a, eh, we can't really help. We really wish we could type of scenario. And I decided after all this, I was fed up with looking for employment from other people. And I wanted to just have my own rules and do my own stuff within, you know, ethical limits and within the guidelines that the state bar has. And, you know, obviously, um, but I wanted to run a law practice my own way in my own time, doing my own things, taking my time and not having to feel bad about it for, you know, being slower um, and getting the help that I needed. And so when the pandemic hit in 2020. That's our favorite year. Yes, our favorite year. That's what I did. <laughs> and I did not at the time um, in, well, actually, I started the firm in 2017 as a part-time venture and I had a couple of clients. I was still working my other job. 
I really, it really didn't go anywhere. Um, and between that time in 2017, 2020, I had a very personal experience. I had a family member die and her estate plan was like 20 years old. And she and all the people that she had asked to be like her help when she was sick and stuff were all dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, literally they had died and she hadn't updated her plan. So when she um, died, when she got sick, my it was my grandma. So Ugh. my father and my father and um, uncle were like running around trying to help and get stuff signed, you know, and um, part of the thing in most states is when you when you sign a document, you have to actually be competent, like you have to actually know what's going on around you, basically, in order to sign. And so they they were able to get her to sign documents that allowed them to make life decisions for her, but they weren't allowed. Well, they they weren't able to get her to sign like her will and her trust and all that kind of stuff for end of life because she was not sufficiently competent or in capacity for that. Um, yeah, probably like dementia and stuff, you know. Yeah, which... and it had gotten that it gotten that bad. So when she died, we had a dispute in the family over stuff, and it was very sad. And I decided that when I started my own firm full time, which was the ultimate goal, I did not want anyone in my community to go through that. And so I have a program in place where people can sign up for like lifelong help, basically. Um, of course, there's a fee and, and it's not free, but um, the costs are significantly reduced if you do that. So uh, for future planning. Um, and so I went in in 2020, our favorite year, and started my own farm and do estate planning, mostly planning. I do some probate. I don't like it as my husband knows, because I complain about it all the time. Probate, um, um, so you don't do probate, I see. I do some, um, and it's not my favorite, and I'll tell you why. And it's, uh. it's a blind thing. So you will, you may understand. The main reason that I don't like it is because everything is still in paper. Oh. I get print paper in the mail all all the time. I almost Hello, we're blind. Yeah. Hello, yes, hello. Um, and so my husband, who is currently my support staff, because, you know, I'm first three, four years in business, I'm still still <laughs> plugging along. Uh, and uh, currently my support, he scans the paperwork. He kind of tells me what it is. I have to go back and look at it. There's like eight steps. You know what I'm saying? So I can read paper and um, I just hate it. And there's just mounds of it. And even when I digitize it, I, I can't like. I don't know. I have had this paper phobia all my life. And I think part of it is a blind thing when I was living on my own and my bills were late because there was no online banking and I had to get someone to pay my bills for me. You know, like now there is now there is online banking and it's much better, but I'm still carrying around this like weird phobia. And so I, you know, that is why probate is is really hard for me and I'm doing it and I'm getting through a couple of them and I still say I'll do it. Um, but I have more support now. Uh, I'm realizing that I need more support. And so I have hired, you know, like paralegal to help me because I can't, there's just stuff I can't do. So, um, but I really do. I appreciate that you let me ramble on for that amount of time. I love oh, myself. Keep rambling, keep, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you're, you're and, and one of the things that I'll end with is that I just can't take myself that seriously. That seriously, I mean, no. as a blind person, I can't afford it. You know, like I was talking to my husband the other night and 
I just have, you know, and we just really have vocal cues to go on when we meet people. Absolutely. So voices can sound different depending on the type of room you're in. Absolutely. See, absolutely. So I'm going to these networking events and it's a small thing, right? You know, and um, I hear a a person talk and I'm like, you know, great. Nice to meet you, uh, Jill. And uh, we walk on. And then like four months later, I meet Jill again at a party with like 80 people. And I'm like, who are you again? I have no idea. We've never met. She's like, oh, we met four months ago at this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Your voice sounds totally different than there are 80 people in here. And I used to be really judgmental and harsh on myself about stuff like that. And I just like now I just blow it off. Like I just can't afford. I'm no. Like, oh, well, you know, I'm blind, whatever. And uh, just have to laugh about it. And Don't take laugh too seriously. No. no. Because, Laughing yeah. is healthy medicine. It is. And um, I, I met... Uh, I have met a, a lot of uh, people who find that uh, they they really don't want to do this, like make your will stuff because they're really scared about dying. And I'm like, well, here's another way to look at it. Death is inevitable. And you're, so why not make it really easy on yourself and easy on your family? And And I said, you know, either at the end of our complimentary consultation, which is 30 minutes, you will want to work with me or you will not. And I'll tell you what the difference is. I laugh at life and death. And we will laugh during this process. I can promise uh, you. I love you, humor. And if you don't want to laugh and like, if you don't want that, then we're not, we're not going to be good to work together. But don't make any suppositions. Let's just have the console. And if we laugh by the end of it, it will work out, you know, one way or another. Um, if we're not laughing by the end of it, if you're not laughing by the end of it, then, uh, you know, it's okay, but it's not going to be a good situation because I just can't help but laugh. Um, and I have this real dry humor. And so it takes people a while to, to get it sometimes. Yeah. Not everybody gets somebody's humor. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it, and, but at the end of the day, most of my clients end up laughing about something. It doesn't have to be process. It doesn't have to be death. It doesn't have to be that. But something uh, happens and we all laugh. And it is amazing how much it lightens the room, how much oh, yeah. it lightens what we're doing together. And so I think <clears throat> laughter is just such a valuable, I mean, even scientifically, they've proven it has physical benefits. It um, and so and it's so valuable. And so I really appreciate what you're all doing here. Yeah, because you know what? Uh, so you've you've rattled on quite a bit. I love your story. I mean, humor is very good because you know what? Let if you don't mind, let me tell you. I mean, me and Tyler, uh, we are, and because Aaron, I empathize with you. There is a seventy percent unemployment amongst blind people. Just society doesn't get it. Society doesn't get no. it, and that's why Tyler and I we are pursuing our own venture yes, podcasting indeed. real internet radio we have a radio station called real <laughs> variety radio and i'm doing speaking and comedy because laughing Excellent. is great yes and um and what is your radio station the... called again yeah real real what real variety radio i'll put it in the chat i like that i was on uh the phoenix for a while and before that i was on mushroom fm um, and I had my own show, so I thought it was really fun. I'm so glad you all are doing that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
you know, you were talking about the paper thing with the probate. Um, I'm not necessarily against it per se, because you can use scanning software like OpenBook and ZoomText sure. or whatever it's called. And you can fill out the information if you do it right. And then you can print it out. Sure, that's true. You can, and I'm, you can yeah. still utilize paper. Like, you know, there's actually a push right now. I know this is a little bit of a different topic. There's uh, in the political arena, they're trying to push for uh, paper ballots again instead of just the machines and stuff because people are getting kind of weary about the machines, the voting machines. Oh, yeah. You know, because of voter integrity issues and stuff. But you can still, even as a blind person, you can still use paper ballots as a blind person. I've never this, done this that. This has to be modified. Do what? Well, I yeah. know you can do absentee ballots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can get Braille. I think you can get Braille where you punch a hole into the choice or something. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah, I've never done um, that. That's it, really interesting can, and good to know. You can make it work. You can even you get uh, Braille probate uh, forms and uh, fill it out at the bottom, like sign stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's ways to do it. It's just got to be modified a little bit. Yeah, it's just got to be modified. And it and I appreciate that a, a lot. Um, yeah. It's really frustrating when, and, and this is sort of a different topic, but, um, right. you know, this relates kind of to what Sailor said, you know, society doesn't get it. Um, no, they don't. And, uh, you know, we we have in our state a, a movement to create an electronic filing system for our court system, which is great. You file oh, yeah. everything electronically. Uh, and we have four counties that are required to use it, including mine. So everybody is required. Uh, all attorneys actually are required to file electronically. Do you think it's accessible? Uh, yeah, what was accessible? Electronic, electronic the electronic, electronic. It is accessible. Files. It is, yeah. Yeah. It is not. It is. Oh, it is. <laughs> no. It's not. Okay. No. Um, apparently, they are, quote unquote, working on that. They are. Um, well, that's good that they're at least yeah. working that's on it. That's good that they're at least working on it. Um, there have been many complaints that have been filed. I have not been party to them, but I know that, that they've been that they've been filed and that they're working on it. And it's it's good. And I appreciate that. But there is yeah. at the same time some frustration that it's like, why couldn't it have just been accessible from the ground up? Because it is so much cheaper to build in accessibility from the ground up than it is to add it at the end. And that right. is something that uh you know, people aren't getting, especially in the technology uh industry. Right. It would be uh, a perfect example. A perfect example would be like apps that I would love to use but can't call it, for instance, Monopoly Go. It's a game app. Oh, I can yeah. hear I can hear the sound of the activity, but I can't have a screen interaction with voiceover. Exactly. It's not there. It's yeah, like it's what? How does that work? <laughs> I don't even know how to contact my Monopoly Go anyway. Yeah, I don't but, know. Right. So you don't do probate, but if anything, you do everything to avoid probate, right? Yeah, actually, I do. A, a lot of my planning is centered around not not really avoiding it completely because that's almost impossible to do. Um, right. Unless you have next to nothing when you die. Um, but it is possible to make it a shorter and less painful process for uh, your family yeah. at the end. So I like to tell people the more you do at the front end, the less your family will have to do at the back end. It's like, you know, uh, like um, I think of human resources, like when you're when you're getting a job, you have to do all these things to like tell them who you are and where you want your money to go and where you want all this stuff to happen and who you want to be your beneficiary on your pension. If you had a 401k, which I didn't, 
but um, you know, you would have to do that. Um, how you file your taxes, all these different things. And yeah. so with an estate plan, you have to tell people different things and you have to do different things, but it's all like front end work so that the process, uh, if you become ill or if you die, runs as smoothly as possible. And that's also the purpose of that human resources, you know, quote unquote garbage that, <laughs> that everyone is so fed up with and has to do at the beginning and, and doesn't like. Exactly. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. You know, another, another thing I was thinking if you do have to use paper for probate is hire your own reader. Yeah. I mean, I can, I scan the paper. And so what ends up happening is that um, what, what the, the thing that is happening in my case is I'm scanning the paper and I am reading it. And then I have a method to organize everything. Um, you know, I read it when I scan it. Uh, and if I have to file anything, um, we have forms that are fillable. And right. so yeah. I have someone complete them for me because I am afraid that I will miss something. Adobe Acrobat is great, but it does miss things. It uh, does. We know, yeah. Because they're not you know really tagged all the way. Um, you know what and, I would suggest? I, I would suggest Open Book or uh, Cures Reader or whatever that thing's called. Open well. Book is really good. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. You never heard of Open Book before? It's from Freedom no, Scientific. No, not Open Book. Not Open Book. That other thing you said. Cures Well. Yeah. Oh, Kurzweil. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and I do have that. I have an old version. I need to explore upgrading it because um, my version is super old. But um, I loved Kurzweil when I used to use it. Kurzweil was, was my friend and benefactor through law school. Um, so I will definitely look into that it's on my list of stuff yeah, to do. Yeah, because then you could fill out the forms yourself if it's uh, scanned and stuff yeah, accurately that's and true. you could use you can use be my eyes you can use seeing ai to a point and then you could email it to yourself and then open it in a document yeah um there is i can't share the forms with the public so well, yeah um, no, i mean you could just email but, it to yourself and then secure e- it and then print it yeah that's after true. you fill it out um yeah so there's and, a way as i was saying i you know when i have to file things i actually have um <laughs> a service that does that for me Oh, okay. the, the court filing is is a little complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. Lots of forms are very complicated. <laughs> and they can, yeah. You know, sure. speaking of speaking of your career, there was a time where I wanted to be a lawyer too. Awesome. I wanted to be just in the law. I wanted to be a stenographer, a court stenographer at one point. And those are well, I wouldn't say easy, but it's straightforward. You just write down every word the court says. Boom. Yeah, and there's a little machine that. Yep. has little keys and I don't know if they make talking court reporting machines but I think they do they might with headphones so, I think yeah. I think they do or what you can do is you can record it with a little reporter you can ask the court hey is it okay if it's recorded so that you can go back and type verbatim and then I print it out do that um, well I didn't record the hearings but I had a friend who was a court reporter and she would record <laughs> some administrative hearings and I would what is the word? Uh, take the dictation and, and transcribe. Them. Oh, you would, uh, you would, uh, yeah, transcribe mm-hmm. it. So um, there's you. also that in medical transcription too, where you're transcribing every word the doctor says or something. Oh yeah, they have. Um, <laughs> my doctor has one of my doctors has a transcriber, and I'm not sure what he's using. I have to ask him next time. So um, do, you, do you use Jaws and NVDA and all that, or what? I do. Um, I use Jaws and NVDA, and I use them kind of for different. Thing. I, so some things I too. find like one of them's better at than the other. Me too. Um, yeah. So that's, NVDA is definitely superior to Jaws in my opinion because Jaws kept freezing my computer up. Oh, that's not so good. 
No, okay. so I just um, said forget I continue, this. Yeah, I continue to pay for Jaws because yeah, there are things that it does well. Right. Um, right. And I've been right. using it since 1998. So it's kind of, you know, ingrained in me. And the um, NVDA object navigation has always confused me. Yeah, it does. Because, like, the navigation of all of links and headings and all that, it's just, it's not as smooth the way it reads certain things, you know. Like, JAWS is more smooth in navigation. If I, it if is. Have I explained I, it? If I'm yeah. explaining it, yeah. And I find yeah. that NVDA is better with things like these drop-down menus. Use. Yes. Or drop down boxes where you type in a search thing and then it tries to search and fill in results mm -hmm. and it comes in. NVDA is better with that. So um, in my, it's really funny because in my case management software, um, my project management thing that I use, I use NVDA more than I use JAWS because it has so many of those little drop down fill, fill in things um, that NVDA is just for some mm -hmm. reason better at. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting, what I like about NVDA is whenever you're pointing your mouse, it'll make little beep cues and it'll tell you where it's at, like to a point. That is something that I have not experimented with, but I have heard mm -hmm. about that. And um, and I think that is really interesting. That it does yeah, that. it is. And um, and that's why I like it a little bit better than Jaws. Don't get me wrong. Jaws was good. It's just there were no. times where it would freeze and then it'll say Windows is trying to close the program, with, you know, or whatever. It kept and doing that. Yeah, and I would um, also suggest that the price point of NVDA is much better too. Well, yeah, it's yeah. Free. <laughs> and, sure. and, and, you know, and it's, guess it's, what? It's, it's Narr narrator. Mm -hmm. Narrator is built into every modern Windows computer. You've heard of Narrator? Oh, of course. Yeah. And I use it. Um, and it's amazing. Time, and it is amazing. It's getting a lot better. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, my, and I'm very husband, grateful. I am too. And my husband uses Magnifier, and uh, mm -hmm. so he's blind too, right? He has partial vision. Visually impaired. Whole yeah. lot more vision than me. Um, but he can't drive a car. That's what I like to tell people. Yeah. Um, but he yeah, has trouble um, with, with contrasts and things. So I just want to make sure you were in music. You love music. So I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, what made you shift to becoming an attorney? Because law school is hard. Not everybody can do it. Yeah. You're, law school oh, was hard. Well, the the music that I was, that I sing is really like, I mean, I got a lot of training and I sing a lot of classical type music and, and a lot of um, sacred music and, and some opera. And it just wasn't something that I felt, number one, that I could make money in um, and not have to travel right. all over the place because um, that was a key thing for me. I didn't want to have to travel for a career. Uh, and number two, it required me to be very... Um, I don't know, very visible in, in the world. And I'm a rather introverted, kind of like behind the scenes person normally. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and I just, I had more of a, I have more of an analytical personality and I like to solve puzzles. And to me, the law is like a giant puzzle. Um, <laughs> Not for me. And really so, is. yeah. And so I just, um, I just, thought that that fit in. Now, I mean, law school is not easy and I didn't do well. I'll freely admit that. Um, and, you know, I, I did, it was one of those things, like I had this perfect grade point average in college, almost just under 4.0. And then in law school, it was like, yeah, completely the other direction, but I did graduate. Um, and uh, it was hard. And at the same time, uh, it was really useful for me to have that experience of like not being best of the best academically. Yeah. I'm really glad that I did it and went through it and was able to. Um, 
so in any event, that that's kind of the reason. Yeah, yeah. because it's, it's, I'm more of an extrovert, you know, and um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I like to travel and stuff. And also law school would be very hard because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I am ADHD. <laughs> yeah. I have trouble focusing and, you know, it's a lot of detail, a lot of detail, you know. You know, yes. it's interesting about law school. Law school uses the Socratic method, you know, where you just at some the sometimes they do says describe the the facts of the case, and you have to just describe every little thing right on your feet. Boom, no warning, no nothing. And then the next person describe it, describe it. Uh, what are the issues? What is it? And there's only one test you take at yep, the very end of the semester test. that determines your grade in each course. Boom, the, the that's bomb. it. Done. Crazy. Um, yeah, it is really. I remember nuts. watching. And, uh, I remember watching The Paper Chase. You remember that movie? No, I don't think I did. It came out in the 70s, and it was about law school. And some person, I think, was so horrified the first day, I think they went to the bathroom and threw up because they were so stressed. You know, I almost almost did that. Um, And and while it's true that some law schools uh, use the Socratic method, many of them are drifting away from that. Um, Oh, really? And I don't know what I prefer, uh, either someone lecturing at me or someone using the Socratic method. I don't know. There must be a happy medium somewhere because um, the, the lecturing is, is very boring. <laughs> in my yeah, what if, yeah. what um, if they just did both, you know, a little bit of they, both? Yeah, like, if they did a little bit of both, it would, it, it'd be to- totally fine. Uh, but yeah. I was taking a seminar and you say a test is one grade, you know, one big part of your yeah. grade. Um, yep. Basically, what I had to do was write a paper of 20 pages or more on a certain topic and give a presentation about it to the whole class. Um, and at the time, me being a very introverted person and not skilled at public speaking at all, um, I gave the presentation and like ran out and almost, you know, did that throw up thing. Oh, so, crap. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was really awful. And the professor that was in his seminar was like my favorite professor of all time. Oh, crap. And so that was really a big part of my nervousness. Yeah. I mean, he he is such a wonderful man. And I know he's still yeah. like, he retired recently. It, um, and I took every class that he taught at, <laughs> at that law school because I really admire him. I still do. And yeah. so that was like the big thing behind my like, oh, you know, <laughs> my nervousness. Right. But um, and that was what made me know immediately that when I started my own firm, one of the things I would have to do is go out and speak to people. And I would have to improve my speaking skills, obviously. Don't want to throw up every time you speak to somebody. Um, and so I joined Toastmasters International just for... Oh, me too. Uh, I yeah. joined them, yeah. Good for you. And I love it. I'm getting into speaking too. Um, I just spoke on a couple of summits and I'm hoping to get paid speaking gigs next year. I'm working with a speaking coach. He's humorous too. His name is Fred King. We're working on our on my speaking career until we get up the way it wants to be, until we die trying, as we say. And uh, I don't know if you don't mind me asking, like, are you ADHD or anything? Because, like, I am. And, you know, a lot of excitement and exuberance comes with it, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I have never, well, I have never been officially diagnosed as ADHD. Uh, but as I have grown grown older, I noticed those tendencies in myself. and. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely as I started my own business, there are just so many things to do. And I have so many like really exciting visions of how I want things to go. And I have so many tasks that it is very difficult to concentrate on. Just it is. Thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It can. Yeah, it can be. 
he'll just scatter all over the place. And so I'm managing it, which is all good. But uh, no, I'm proud of what you're doing. And um, I know, of course, we're all limited on time, but uh, show some humor. Whatever humor do you have besides laughing? Come on, show it to us. Because me and Tyler, we joke all the time. And oh, yeah. Right, Tyler, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. When it comes to love, when it comes to, you know, finding a woman, like, her, yeah, her I want to find a lady, you know. Yeah. Things like that. Well, it's you funny. know, I. My humor is very spontaneous, so it's it's difficult to you know think about it and have it come out. Um, but you know what? Something you said, how to find a woman. Uh, I'll do it from a different perspective. I have had people ask me, "Well, you're blind, so how did you know your husband was handsome when you started dating him? How did you know he was like what you were looking for, essentially?" And I'm like, "Well." He was good and tall. They're like, how did you know that? Well, uh, he talked higher than I did. Oh, I mean, you know, voice. his voice came from a different location. What about how his did, touch? His yeah. smell, his touch, you know, the perfume. Exactly. The, the, and, the I said, and I said to them, I said, I didn't just go on what, what handsome was. I went on <laughs> other things like how he uh, touched me and how he guided me, like sighted guide, um, yeah. how he felt. Uh, in terms of, you know, touching him back and how, you know, how he, uh, how his face was, whether it, it was symmetrical or not. Uh, and, oh, yeah. and, you know, I don't, and I'm like, and they're like, oh, well, do you just walk around feeling people's faces? And I'm not, well, no. Um, there are some social norms that, that I do, uh, you know, take care of. And, and one of those is, is not doing that, which is honestly a misconception that a lot of people have. Um, I've right. had people offer to touch their faces, and I'm like, no, I, I no. pass on that. Um, and and so there are a lot of cues other than visual cues that that we can rely on. Um, and and I wonder if I have maybe a minute or two to share my uh, laying on of hands story. Yeah, go ahead. I was walking down the um, you know, at college, and I was new to campus, and so I got lost, and I pa- this guy was passing me, and and I said, excuse me, um, I need help finding this building. And so I said, you know, uh, just give me some direction and, and, and we'll get there. And, you know, so he was directing me and uh, he said, well, have you always been blind? And I said, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's a it's a lifetime kind of deal. And uh, he said, would you mind if I prayed for you? And I'm like, well, I guess we can all use prayer. Like, I don't <laughs> care. you know, I, I don't I don't have control over who people pray for. So I, I guess. Um, not really connecting that it was because he thought it would, he thought that God could make me see if I prayed for him or if he uh. prayed for me rather. And so then he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, yes. Not wondering where this was going. And he said, can I lay hands on you? Uh. And I'm like, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, I need a little more explanation about that. He said, well, I'm wondering if I can ask God to heal your blindness. Oh, uh, you're like, no, you're comfortable with it because we are, right? <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not against I'm not against I'm not a- the blind being healed and stuff at all. In fact, there's been times no. where I wish God would heal me. I have had those times. Uh right. in this situation. But now I don't. Yeah, now I don't. And then I didn't. But I was so offended and so 
angry at that time that I actually didn't know how to respond. Um, and it ended up that he laid his hands on me and said this prayer over me. And I ran out of there like, excuse me, by then we were at the building. I ran out of there like a bat out of hell. I'm just like, it was so frightening for me to have that experience. Um, never having been around that type of um, expression before and being so offended that I didn't know exactly how to react. Um, because for me, it felt like he did not believe I was a whole person. Right. Well, the way I see it is I don't believe God wants me to see, actually. He wants you to see from the heart. Right. See from the heart. Now, if he, I mean, I don't absolutely know for certain, but if he does decide to heal me one day, great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I believe that I can shine his love and his gospel through me being blind, you know? And, you know, part of me, I guess, you know, was really offended by that. And part of me has always felt that I was missing, that something was missing from me. And over the years, I have, you know, kind of looked back on my life and realized that, thankfully, you know, because of God or higher power, whatever name you want to give it, I've been put here in this way, on this earth, in this form, for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to meddle with it. No. Or and I, not only I'm that, not going to feel like I'm missing something. And no. most people who interact with me don't believe I'm missing anything. Well, the way I see it is, no. the way the way I see it is, it doesn't matter if, if you've been totally healed of your eyesight. Mm-hmm. If people have not accepted Christ, and you know, as their personal savior, as we like to say, it won't matter because there's, you know, heaven for those who believe and hell for those who don't. You know, that's what we believe. You know, and so none of that will really matter anyway. If you gain the whole world, because even Jesus himself said, if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, you know, know, what would it profit a man if he did that, you know? Well, I would like to say that I just believe that we're all human and we're all technically, we all have something uh, that, that we believe is missing from us, whatever that is. Yeah, right. we're all broken in a way. We're all, exactly. Well, we all you know, are. Yeah. We're all flawed in a way. I, I prefer the That's term right. flawed, but um, in, in, well, yeah. at, the end of the, at the end of the day, um, we're all here for a purpose, and it really doesn't matter what we think our lack is. Um, right. All that matters is whether we're fulfilling the purpose that we're here for. And That's right. We Ooh. all have choices. We all have choices. And we, some people think that they don't have choices, and that itself is a choice. Yeah, that is a choice. Basically, everything is a choice. Everything <laughs> is a choice. And so I have always been of the opinion and have always made sure that I had people around me who could, uh, and, and I've always made sure that I had people around me who would support me uh, in, right. in the choices that I have made and have always also been of the opinion that every choice I make is not only in, in service to my own self and my own grow, growth, but in service to others. Yeah, so, amen, because that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's right. We have so many people supporting us, Tyler, right? Yes, oh, we yeah. do. And I was actually going to say, you know, I think it's one thing for someone to lay hands on someone, but it's totally another in which how they did it. In other words, let's yeah, say that same guy would have said, hey, can I lay hands on you just to pray for safety, pray for providence, you know, pray for whatever. And that's it. That, that would have been a would've... little less offensive, and I would have been fine right. with that. I exactly. would have been a little and, uncomfortable because I'd never had that happen before, but I would have gotten over it. No, but um, I mean, at the very least, he would have 
asked for consent first. He would have been right. like, hey, is it okay if I lay hands on you to pray for your safety, pray for God to work in your life, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. That's a little bit better than yeah, just that's... insisting, hey, got to have eyesight, got to have this. Yeah, got to have eyesight, got to have it in order to be a whole complete No, person. you don't. And no, to, not at all. And one of his, I remember he said to better glorify <clears throat> your name. It is exactly. Right. exactly. Well, and I truly believe that what Sailor and me are doing mm-hmm. is uh, very special to me because I, you know, we can share the gospel. We can share other topics too, but yes. we can share all sorts of stuff. Help it's without amazing. sight is a metaphor. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. how about that's a good segue, Tyler. What yeah. is our customary ending question? We always ask every guest at the very end, um, what would you say to people who feel they have no hope? They don't know where to turn. That is a wonderful question. I appreciate yeah. you asking that. Yeah. There is always hope. And that sounds a little trite. But even in the most hopeless time, there is always hope. And it That's comes right. from reaching out to others for help sometimes. Amen. That's right. And there's nothing I wrong went, with that. I went through a very dark time in my life when I thought there was no hope. And it was a period of about eight to 10 years. I don't want to ever have to repeat it, (laughs) but it taught me a lot. Um, And one of the things it taught me is that hopelessness comes from isolation or in isolation. Hopelessness will come to basically everyone. We isolate, whether we isolate from, from God or our higher power, we isolate from other people. Right. Isolate from from those who nourish our spirits. We isolate from what makes us happy. We isolate from something that nourishes our spirits. We tend to feel that hopelessness is inevitable. That right. is a choice. Like I said, we always yep. have a choice. And what brought me out of that hopelessness, honestly, was the, the first step that brought me out of it was I got married. And I had to live with someone permanently. Every day, it started bringing me out of that isolation that, to some degree, was self-imposed, um, mm-hmm. and it started forcing me into interactions with people, even if it was just one person. Wow! And then, by degrees, I started interacting with other people, and I started interacting with with God again, and I started interacting in meaningful ways with all these things. Um, I got a job, you know, I did all these things Amen. and I think that brought hope back to me. Those things gradually brought it back because I was not isolating myself. Amen. Right. And I always like to say hope is not something, oh, we just hope so. Oh, we hope. I don't like hope. No, I don't, I don't like that statement. It's not positive. I like, I, I know so. I believe so. I hope so. No, I'm sorry. No, I we hope so know. is not good enough. It's not. No, 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 no. no. I believe hope, so. You know, it's interesting. I watched a movie. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. The Shawshank Redemption with Morgan I Freeman. Love that movie. He mentions at the very end, I hope to go to the Pacific and or the Pacific is as beautiful as it was in my dream. You know, at the end, whenever he helped see his friend Andy again, you know, mm-hmm. and he talked about hope is a good thing and maybe the best of things. You know, it's 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 amazing. It really it is. is. And I, you know, and that was a Stephen King novel, one of my favorite authors of all time. Oh, yeah. A lot the of wisdom. Mind. Yes. Yeah, the green mile. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I enjoyed the movie much better than the short story of Shawshank oh, yeah. Redemption. Oh, yeah. Much better. But um, hope is a step towards belief. Yep. And I would rather have hope. So to me, there is uncertainty, hope, belief, 
and certainty in that order. Bravo. Yes, I would would rather have hope than uncertainty. And you can't get to belief without, in in my opinion, that stepping stone of hope. Right. Well, not not only that, the Bible mentions a living hope. You know, Jesus is our hope, you know, like for Christians. And then, of course, there's other forms of hope, too, like what you mentioned. Yes. Yeah. And there are other forms of hope. And I think the best thing that we all can do is nourish our nourish our spirit in whatever way oh, yeah. that is for us. Yeah, um, that's right. And nourish our relationships with others. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And speaking because... of that, I, I put information in the chat. If you'll say the chat, uh, it's, uh, it's called the Lift Your Spirit Party. Uh, we're all hosting two events, the Lift Your Spirit Party, which is a free event each month where we invite people on Zoom to just have a good time, meditate, journal, and lift our spirits together. And Tyler, tell Mm -hmm. her the other piece. Come on. There's another event called the Blissful Life Community. And this one is going to be paid for people. We don't know exactly how much it's going to be at the time because we're still still, uh, working on all that. And we already had one a couple of lift your spirit parties, which were pretty good, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, we're still reevaluating everything to hopefully get the blissful life community off the ground. Basically it's almost like a mastermind where we, yes, I love it. Basically, we basically go in more in depth into what the lift your spirit would be. In other words, it'd be more detailed because and, we have big yeah. goals in 2023. Honestly, I'm glad we met 2024. I'm sorry. I'm glad we met. Through a person on the podcasters cruise, Barnsley. Yeah. Because on this cruise, I got so much more that I could ever bargain for. I came back with 10 documents worth of information, how to grow your audience, monetize. And so my plan is our plan is we're gonna have a comprehensive meeting with our team to go over all this stuff and make a plan. Our our engines are about to gain enough thrust. And in 2024, January. We hit the ground running. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, and I would be... and he said he he said he would hire me as a contractor. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. Cool. I don't well, care. How I would much be you, happy you to help <laughs> in any way I can um, to, to help you with that. And um, I think what you're all doing is is really valuable, not only to um, you know blind and disabled folks, but you know to everyone. You're bringing uh, a message of of uh, of insight and, and humor and yeah, that's right. positivity to, to everyone. So thank you. For so if you, if you want a uh, say, sailor can provide his contact card to you or whatever. Sure. And we're on Facebook so we can uh, yeah. find each other okay. there and negotiate Great. that. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, we appreciate you being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Thank you. Everybody, please give it up for Aaron Edgar on Help Without Sight, episode 59. Stay blessed and live with bliss, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Help Without Sight with Sailor Cooper and Tyler Evans and got a lot of takeaways from this podcast. We hope you feel renewed, inspired, and encouraged like you can just carry on and conquer the world. Please hit the subscribe button on all platforms and tell your friends and family to do the same. And in the meantime, blessings to all.